0: You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode.
1: Hello, welcome to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today we are on episode 189. Uh, So I hope all of you are doing well. We're about a week into or just over a week into the new year. So in today's episode my topic that i wanted to talk about is mold resistant building materials those of you that follow me know that i actually wrote a book um it's actually the the latest book besides uh this case study book that we're just getting all finalized so it should should be done uh soon and uh, anyhow but the, the the book that's on audible and all paperback and all that um, is black mold avoidance so I wrote a book about this because I do feel that it's fairly important to think about mold resistant building materials when you're building a new home or actually if you're remodeling so you know it's something a lot of you don't think about you know most of the time we have contractors that we trust that you think are you know going to be looking out for your best interests and I'm not saying they don't but they, you know, they try to go with the least expensive building component components. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you, you as the, the uh, client decide to go with more expensive things when it comes to, you know, granite countertops or windows or things like that. You really don't think about the actual building materials. And so that's something that, you know, I wanted to talk about and just you know explain that it is very important to think about those things when you're either remodeling or building a home because it is something that spending a little bit of extra money while you're building a home could save you thousands of dollars with you know medical costs, costs for missing work, and then anything associated with toxic mold sickness and then on top of that you'd have the mitigation side of it. so it could cost you thousands of dollars down the road. Whereas when you're building it could you know i I think I could say if you followed everything in the book that I wrote and went with the extra cost in in mold resistant building materials you know i I think honestly for less than twenty thousand dollars, you can probably go with a lot of of building materials that could prevent mold, and it you know for a whole home that's to me that's not that expensive. You could easily be over 20,000 when it comes to mold mitigation. So keep that in mind. Um, But one of the questions that you probably are wondering is, you know, when it comes to building materials, what can contribute to mold concerns as far as what's the most common cause of mold? And when we talk about new homes, you know, new homes aren't immune from mold problems. It's no different than when I talk about radon. You know, radon gases, it doesn't matter whether your home's five years old, five months old, or 50 years old. The radon gases are not based on the age of the home and mold's the same way. You know, so don't, don't just kind of get too comfortable in thinking, well, my house is brand new or, you know, we just remodeled everything in the last few years. So everything's good to go. That's not true. So as far as what's the most common um, cause of mold, in a newer home i would definitely say it would be a plumbing leak uh for the most part you know hopefully the roof is all intact and the roofer knew what he was doing um sometimes you could run into some sort of roof leak but for the most part in a new home i think that some sort of defective plumbing fixture would probably be the most common um cause of of a mold infestation in a new home now we all know, uh, if you listen to me enough, you, you know that at any point the air quality in your home can always change. So don't get too comfortable in the fact that you say, Hey, you know, we're, we're very vigilant. We're always doing the inspections. Uh, you know, we follow the checklists that are provided. You know, we, we, we do everything we can to make sure we're not having a mold problem in our home. But at any point, a pipe could burst, a drain pipe could, could, become uh a, or have some sort of defect if you have a sump pump, you know that pump could fail. You could have a water heater where the TMP, which is the uh pressure relief valve, could go bad. Um there's many things that could just happen out of the blue. So keep that in mind. It doesn't doesn't matter. And that's why I say it doesn't matter as far as the age of the home. But to go back to our question, what's the most common cause of mold Let's talk about the most common cause of mold in an older home. And when I say older, you know, I'm saying probably 20 plus years. So something built after the, you know, 2002, 2003-ish. One of the most common causes, in my opinion, and from what we see, is lack of ventilation. And that can also happen in a brand new home. But in an older home, over time, just a minimal defect as far as uh, as far as ventilation meaning you have exhaust fans in your bathrooms but they just don't quite keep up over a span of 20 years that could really start causing problems and where you really would see something like that is either in an attic or down in a crawl space and for the most part you probably don't go up there and i, I would ask you that as a listener when's the last time you went up into your attic hopefully you you do the spring and fall checklist that we go over and you've done it recently you know we're right in the middle of the winter months here in the United States so it's fairly cold um you know when you pop that attic access cover wherever it is in your hallway typically or in a closet you when you put your head up there i i, I hope that you know, you don't see a bunch of frost and, and ice or condensation forming because that would obviously not be a good thing. But when, how often, you know, when you check that stuff, how often do you pay that much attention to to any defects going on? So that's something else too, is you need to keep in mind that, you know, you do need to be very vigilant and do your inspections. But But going back to lack of ventilation, a lot of times, you know, you could have, uh, just passive ventilation, let's say in your crawl space, and that would consist of you know four, five, six vents from the outside. That you know I'm I would imagine if you live in a in a climate where it freezes, you'd probably cover up those vents in the winter time. But over time, that lack of ventilation could lead to mold concerns. And in this time of year, obviously condensation would be the biggest concern, or you could have a frozen water pipe. But over time, that's going to start causing wood rot also. So keep that in mind that you need to pay attention to those areas like the crawl space and the attic. But a common spot as far as ventilation that you probably see all the time, you know, I, I would imagine if it's your your kids' bathroom, maybe you don't go in there that often, but you should be making sure in the bathrooms that those fans are working properly in those bathrooms. And and part of making sure that they're working properly is taking the cover off of it which is fairly easy those covers actually have just a couple clips where you can literally pull that that plastic cover down and then there's clips you squeeze to, to pull it all the way out but how often do you do you pull those out and clean those you know if they're full of of debris and dust that's not going to operate properly and it also would lead to premature failure of that fan so Make sure that you're actually cleaning those areas and you're actually looking at it. You're going into the bathrooms and you're making sure, hopefully you have a humidity gauge in in all your bathrooms, but you're making sure that the humidity is good. There's no visible mold or any signs of water damage on the ceilings. Um, Don't just focus on ventilation. Check those walls that are adjacent to the tub you know, if you have younger children, kids love to splash and and play in a bathtub. Well, when they're splashing, is all the water staying inside that tub? So back to the whole ventilation thing, you know, one thing that, that we really focus on when we're doing a mold inspection is the ventilation in an attic. So, you know, roof ventilation. And a lot of people do wonder, like, what type of ventilation do I have in my attic? I've never... I've never had it inspected. I've never really paid much attention. And so the reason I'm bring this up is, is I want you to make sure that you have proper ventilation. And that would consist of what I call turtlebacks. And they're typically on the back side of the home, so you don't see them from the from the front side of the house. But they're those just kind of half-round, um, usually they're brown um looking vents. And those you should have, like I said, I call them a turtle back. But you should have at least four of those on the backside of of your roof. Now, does every home have to have those? No, because there are different uh, types of ventilation. Another common one is soffits. And so your soffit would be, you know, right where your gutters are, that's the eave of the roof. But underneath that, you have that gap from the faceplate of your fascia to the house. And so that little area, which is typically like two feet, that's your soffit. So... You would look up there and see, you know, depending on the style, you could either have just vents that are, that are cut in there, or if you have metal soffits, like every other piece is vented. One solid one's vented. Um, another way that, that you could verify that you have proper ventilation, and this is on older homes. Most homes these days, I don't see gable vents, but you would have a, just a vent. It's typically an octagon shape right on the gable and what the gable is is it's the end of the house so you know depending on how your roof trusses are set up that's where it would be but look up there and make sure that there's a gable vent um like i said it doesn't have to have one but a lot of times that'll be another mode of ventilation and then another uh, another thing we've we've seen i i think i could comfortably say they've probably been doing it for about 15 20 years on a roof for ventilation is a ridge vent and what that is is right at the ridge of the home. So that's where the peak is of your trusses. It's a foam that they put down. So what they do, I'm kind of jumping around here, but to backtrack a little bit, when they put your sub roof on, typically it's, you know, plywood. What they do is is they'll cut two inches down from the peak on each side. So they leave that gap where you can literally look right down into the attic. That's a spot where they'll put foam over the top of that. And then they put the ridge cap shingles on top of that and a lot of people especially when i was doing home inspections they would see that from the street they would say how come if you come in about a foot from from the gable ends, why does it, it raise up and get higher on that ridge and a lot of times you know you if you don't know any better you think it's a defect but that's a ridge vent so anyhow that's um As far as the roof and ventilation, I kind of wanted to go over all that and explain. You know, that's something that's very important to make sure. So so going back to mold resistant materials when you're building a home, what type of roof is the best when when you're you're looking at mold concerns and durability and longevity? Obviously a metal roof's the way to go. Um metal roofs typically they're classified as a fifty year um roof, but it they last a lot longer than that, especially if you if it's done properly. Versus, you know, asphalt shingles, they're twenty-five, thirty. There are some that are fifty year. But anyhow, a metal roof's the best way to go. And that's what I personally would do. So speaking of metal and mold resistant building materials, metal siding is obviously a great choice too. Um I would steer clear of sidings like T one eleven. That's um Back in the day, it was more of a masonite type of of siding, composite material. Um, But something that that is watertight that doesn't require a whole lot of maintenance. And, you know, there's hardy board out there that doesn't require maintenance. There's the metal siding. There's vinyl siding. There's all sorts of of different types of materials you can use. But keep in mind when you're building a home that you want something like that that is metal, that's going to be durable. So speaking of the exterior, the windows, that's something else that's very important when you think about mold-resistant building materials. It costs a little bit more, but make sure you go with the higher quality window. Make sure that they are at least uh, dual panes. Um, That's fairly standard, I think, these days, but you can get triple pane, which obviously costs a lot more. But another thing, too, with windows is make sure that the window frames themselves are not wood, Make sure that they are either vinyl or metal because it's something, once again, in my opinion, if you spend the extra money right off the bat and you don't have to worry about, you know, every 5, 10 years, every other year, depending on what it is, if you don't have to worry about painting things, it's going to last a lot longer and it's going to be mold resistant. Um, Things like your foundation. Make sure, and we've done podcasts about wood foundations, but make sure you go with a foundation that is not wood. Um, can you use a wood foundation? You can, but there's a, there's a lot more extra steps that you have to take to make sure that that's waterproof. Um, and so speaking of your foundation, make sure it, it has a waterproofer on that. That can be tar that's brushed on, or you can actually put a membrane that's uh, self- adhesive on one side and you can put that up against before you, you backfill. So make sure that your foundation obviously is water water resistant. Um, so outside, we covered the roof, windows, siding. Um, one thing that's very important is your rain gutters. Make sure you have rain gutters on all the eaves, not just you know, over the front porch or over a doorway. Make sure you have rain gutters along the entire length of the eaves. And it's not, it's really not that expensive. Last time I had to do that, you know, and it's been several years ago, it was about $10 a linear foot. And an average home, I would say, is about 150, maybe, linear feet for eaves or for gutters. So it's well worth it. When you're doing the gutters, make sure... You put screens on those gutters just to keep any debris out of them. So on the inside of the house, you know, there's a lot of things that we could look at that that is obviously mold resistant. But I want to touch on something real quick. Is is when a lot of people hear mold proof or mold resistant, um, they kind of just assume that mold can't grow on it. You know, we ha- used to have codes. In bathrooms that required green board and greenboard board was mold resistant and you know when municipalities thought it was a great idea to have that in the codes they had to put them in bathrooms um, sometimes in kitchens and people just thought well it's green board so mold can't grow on it that's not true mold can grow on sheetrock uh, it could be mold resistant but it's still it can get wet and mold can start growing. So my point is with the whole mold-proof or mold-resistant um, things like green board, a lot of times they like to just charge you more money because they put that on there. But mold-resistant would be things that, in my opinion, are non-cellulose materials. So stuff like sheetrock, can you not use sheetrock in an entire home? No. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know what type of wall coverings you would put up that is a non-cellulose material unless you literally had concrete walls or metal and all that which I wouldn't recommend inside a home. So so keep that in mind when you're buying building materials. Not everything is mold resistant. They typically like to use that term so that they can charge you more. So as far as inside the home, what are what are the key things? My opinion, flooring never have in a bathroom, never have carpet. Um, Tile, to me, if you could actually go concrete, concrete's the best. You can, you know, if you did concrete and you put an epoxy on it, that is probably the top, in my opinion, mold-resistant building component that you could use. But that's, once again, not always possible. Um, But even tile, you know, if you put tile and grout down that's sealed properly, that'll last a long time but going back to flooring never use carpet in bathrooms it's carpet is a haven for mold so make sure that you know you're you're thinking of those kinds of things when when you put your flooring down stuff like laminate flooring hardwood things like that make sure that you keep them sealed another thing inside your home uh that you really need to have that's that's going to help with mold concerns. Underneath your water heaters, you should make sure that you have a pan. Um Some people call it a drip pan. um You can call it whatever you want, but make sure you have a pan below those, and there's a pipe you can attach to those, and you can run it to the exterior of the home in case something goes wrong with your water heater. The water can all go out. Another thing when it comes to drip pans, that's something you can have below your washing machine in your laundry room. So keep that in mind when it comes to things like that. Um, We talked about ventilation in in older homes. Any home ventilation is important, but we talked about how that's probably one of the the leading causes of mold concerns. Make sure all your bathrooms have the proper ventilation in them because if they don't, over time, you're going to run into issues. And so when it comes to a fan, we rate them by CFMs, cubic feet per minute. And for a typical bathroom, when I say typical, just your normal bathroom that's five foot wide by eight foot long, it's got just a single vanity in it, toilet, and then the tub shower enclosure, A hundred and ten hundred CFM fan should be sufficient. Um, but you'll know, you know, if, if you're showering and it's not keeping all the humidity down, you've, you've got to get something that's a little bit better. So, you know, we covered a lot more on the outside because, in my opinion, that's what matters most is keeping the water from getting inside the building. Um, and then we touched on a few things inside. But if you if you want to know a lot deeper as far as what you can, can do to build a mold-resistant home, go to Amazon and grab that book. It's called Black Mold Avoidance, How to Build a Mold-Resistant Home. It's available in paperback. Um, audible and ebook so that's available um, my my call to action for you is, is to right now after you're done with this go walk around the exterior of your home and check things like the roof your gutters um, your grading make sure everything slopes away from the home look at your foundation make sure there's no cracking make sure it's waterproof um, that way you can stop the water from coming into the home so once again this is episode 189 I appreciate you listening and have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the mold investigation checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free mold investigation checklist today. You can also on cnccontractorservices.com find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again go to cnccontractorservices.com.